0: This is the Icon Podcast, a community of trained readers reflecting Jesus with Michael Burns and Jason Alexander. I'm your host, Gianna Hearn. Today, we're continuing the study of the Gospel of Mark, focusing on chapter 8, verses 27 through 33. We're going to jump into it, but I want to know, Jason, you're you're in the middle of a forest? You're outside recording oh, today.
1: It does look like that, doesn't it? Um, I am. He's a
2: Sasquatch hunt.
0: Yeah.
1: Close. Yeah, it's it's close. It's something like a forest. It's
2: Starbucks.
0: Oh, we should call this the road show.
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, we're at a hotel and there's a Starbucks right outside my hotel. So that's where I am.
0: That's awesome. I just finished my G League show. We rounded out our season, our last episode, and we went over our favorite moments. And they basically told me that because I had to record this last one in a gym, like a hotel, small, little gym, dumbbells beside me and everything. And I was like, this was just this was a wreck, guys. And uh, she's like, it was much better than when you recorded at Starbucks. So I'm hoping <laughs> yours goes better, Jason, today. Oh wow, Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, But we have been leading up to this passage and this section, of Mark, for a while. We're all excited to get to it. And Michael, you're going to start us off. Chapter 8, 27 through
2: 33. I am. I'm I'm going to read it. And again, if uh, I apologize if my sound is a little echoey uh, or a little off. I'm at a new Airbnb today, and so I am uh, kind of at the mercy of each Airbnb, but hopefully we will be in our actual permanent home in a couple weeks, and I can get my little mini studio set up again, nice. um, but we'll just have to deal with it.
0: This and, is definitely um, the road show. I'm telling you, we're all it just is. discombobulated somewhere right. else. And it's
2: early. It's way earlier than we normally meet. It it is for especially for you guys on the West Coast. Yes, we should we could change the name of this to the Nomads.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, I like it. it. I like it. It
2: feels like that's been our summer. We've all kind of been in odd places and coming from odd locations. Um but yeah, and one of the things, let me just mention that we're going to do next week, we're still going to be in Mark, but we're going to also discuss a, a new uh, video that's kind of going viral already in its first couple of days. It's from uh, Jason's personal hero named Jordan Peterson.
1: Is that the guy from um, New Kids on the Block?
2: Yes, precisely. Because you're huge new kids, (laughs) and yeah, I don't get any of those boy bands. I don't know why anybody likes any of them. But
1: nice try. I heard you listening when we logged on. (laughs) (laughs) I was listening
2: to hip hop.
1: Okay, whatever. That's what you. Yeah, close. (laughs)
2: No, but uh, um, the video is called, I think it's called A Message to Christian Churches. And it is an agnostic professor, philosopher uh, uh, named Jordan Peterson, who's quite popular in some circles, um, telling Christian churches what we need to do better uh, and be more effective and its appeal for the church to be the church. And so uh, there's some good things in there, and there's some really, really uh, unbiblical ideas that are being presented as uh, biblical, which makes sense. I wouldn't expect somebody who's not rooted their life in the Word to be able to um, communicate the kingdom message, understand it, or communicate it clearly as Per Mark, it's, you know, although we can learn things from outsiders, I don't think we should be learning from outsiders who or what the Messiah's kingdom is about. And yet, I already see a lot of Christians sharing this message and going, yeah, right on. That's deep. He's letting us know. And um, so I think there's some things that we need to examine and be aware of. So we're going to discuss that next week. Yeah. As as part of our episode, but let's, uh, I'm supposed to be reading, aren't I? Like 20 minutes later, I still haven't read the message. <laughs> Gianna's we'll rolling it. her eyes and sending, um, messages. And yeah, I may, um, I may glitch a little bit here. Uh, hopefully the, the new Airbnb that we're at, the internet is just garbage. And so I'm hoping that it holds out for this episode, but uh, it's, it's bad. So let me start reading, <laughs> and we'll pray that it holds out. So Mark chapter 8, verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns.
0: Wow, big passage. You only broke up just a few times in okay, that passage. I thought he grew up, <laughs> br-
1: broke up a second too. All right. Did I break up?
0: But but I think Briefly. we all got. It
1: was very
2: clear in my headphones.
0: <laughs> no, but a big passage here. And we always start off the same way with our reading glasses on. So we're going to check out what everyone thinks that they saw, they observed. And Jason, what was your observations?
1: Um. Well, lots, uh, but, uh, let me try to confine, um, so the, the, um, the first line or the first, let's see, I guess it's the uh, the first sentence, like on the way, um, Mm -hmm. we had described last week, um, that we, we've, we've entered into a, a new moment and, uh, th- this next segment of, uh, Mark has to do with a, uh, a trip toward Jerusalem, a, a final trip toward Jerusalem. Um, and, uh, yeah, on the way. So what's, what's happening in this section is happening as they're, as they're moving and it's kind of on the way that, uh, everyone's going to learn what they uh, need to learn, or, or perhaps uh, get prepared for what they're they're going to learn, um, and so that 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 phrase on the way, of course, can be and has been expanded out to be a kind of metaphor for uh, what, what's what's a very popular way of thinking about the spiritual life. That is the journey. Um, though what's different here? You know, we talk about the spiritual life as a journey. Th- this is a journey toward a very challenging moment in, in Jerusalem. So uh, so that stands out to me. Just the, the fact that we're at, what's the phrase? En route. En route? Is that how you say it? En route?
0: Um, Either one. Right. But okay.
2: En
1: route? En, en route. route. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah, so that uh, but yeah, then I mean the absolute the um, uh, rejection by Peter of Jesus's <laughs> teaching. It's just like, uh, it's, it's almost embarrassing.
0: Um, it says he rebuked like that word. Yeah, to exactly, comes right. out. You rebuke Jesus.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Nice try, Peter. Jeez.
0: <laughs> but I think that has to probably say something about the nature of their relationship. The fact that he felt comfortable enough to do that. Oh, good point. Right, and because um, I only do that with elders or people above me or someone I'm following, if I have a really deep relationship with that person, true, and feel comfortable true. to do it. So that must speak something about their relationship.
1: Jason, yeah. did you have
0: more quick first observations? Uh, the
1: last thing is just notice that um, it things are 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 much more explicit now. This is the first time. Um, Jesus tells tells his disciples precisely what's coming, um, and so it's um, yeah. There's a lot of lots to talk about there, but this is the first of three times in this section that Jesus lets them know exactly what's going to happen. So, yeah, so that stands out.
0: Yeah, pretty impactful. Before we get to Michael giving us the lowdown here, some thoughts and things that jumped out to me, um, you know, I just I just thought about when it says, who do people say I am? I feel like that question is so relatable for me today. Like, who, who do people say Jesus is? What, what am I telling people? And so that's just something that I was thinking about as I read it. Um, and then if Jesus were to really just ask me, but who do I say he is? And because sometimes I can get hung up on what other people are saying about him and the gospel and all these things, but really just taking some time. And I know we'll get to take a selfie, but that's an initial thought. Um, And then obviously, like what you mentioned, the rebuking is just comical to me and uh, is pretty interesting. Um, I'm trying to look at I'm, I'm lost. I lost my. My place. So we might just have to move on to Michael. Again, like we said, we're all we're all over the place today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do notice something I've brought up to you guys before, and you have answered and clarified for me before. But it says Jesus in verse 30 warned them not to tell anyone about him. And um, yep. you know that is the thing that sticks out to me the most. Whenever there's a miracle or just something in the Bible, and Jesus doesn't want someone to say something, and we have gone over this, um, and Michael has alluded and taught that this has to do with, you know, Jesus not wanting himself to be misrepresented, that they don't clearly understand everything yet, and not sharing it in a way that uh, would would be incorrect yet. Um, and what's funny to me, if that is what's still going on here, is I don't know how long they've been traveling with Jesus at this point. You guys can clarify that for me, but still at this point, as we're leading up to what's about to happen, that would signify that they still haven't fully gotten it. And um, that's interesting to me, especially someone like Peter. So Michael, we have told you with our reading glasses on, what we see, what what else do you see? And should people be taking note?
2: You know, I feel like this Section has now just become me repeating what you guys are saying, uh, because you guys are you pretty much nail it most of the time, and so, um, I'll just emphasize and highlight uh, some of the things you've already said. I will note that, once again, at least in the way I'm kind of reading it, Mark has used the crowds as an obstacle, once again. Who did Mm -hmm. people say I am? And they're completely off base. Um, And so once again, it's that orienting. We like crowds. We think the presence of crowds must mean uh, good that we're on the right track. But for Mark, the crowds are not necessarily a sign of that. Um, The crowds are often attracted to the wrong thing. And so they are an obstacle. And and so this is the time we've talked about this, you know, in relation to a movie, the music going up and up to a crescendo. And and here it is. Here's the moment. Who is he? Who is he? And he gets to the real question and asks the disciples, who am I? And they answer correctly. It's like they got it. Now, we've known this since the beginning, because Mark told us in chapter one that he's the Messiah. So, as readers, we know it. They finally got it, or do they?
0: And can I and ask so, you something? Sorry to interrupt, but is like Jason said, this is the first time that we're hearing like exactly what's going to happen. Is this the first time that we are hearing Jesus really say to them and acknowledge who He is? This is this the first time?
2: Uh, according to Mark, yeah, okay. I, I think. That's it. And and there does seem to be the other gospels mention this scene and then it happened in Caesarea Philippi. Um, and so I, I think there's there's definitely um a connection there. I think there's a a connection that Matthew emphasizes more yeah. than Mark as far as the location itself. Yeah,
1: he's more specific.
2: Yeah, and, and why it took place in Caesarea Philippi, which is There's a place outside of Caesarea Philippi called the Gates of Hades that was a big pagan area, and it was an area you weren't supposed to go to, and there was worship of the goat god Pan there. And so he had some specific reasons for taking them to this location that Mark doesn't delve into, Um, but this is the first time. And so we wonder, as we hear their answer, hey, they got it. He's the Messiah, but we should keep in mind the last scene. Exactly. The the last instance that we talked about in our last episode, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. So they say the correct word. But do they have the correct meaning? And and you're exactly right, G, in verse 30, the very fact that Jesus warns them not to tell anyone about him. We don't have to wait long to find out if they really understand. The very next verse is sort of a clue. Yeah, yeah don't don't go tell people that just yet um, because <laughs> you're not ready. Yeah, And maybe I'm reading too much into this, but it almost makes me think of, you know, I think it's in... I think it's Matthew twenty-three. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jason. Where Jesus chides the Pharisees and says, "You know, basically, you go uh, around wow. the world to make land, a convert, you land and, land sea, and yeah. sea, right? Right, and you you make them twice as much of a son of hell as you." And so it seems yeah, like something Martin's like that, yeah, right, yeah, is aiming this at the church a little bit. Like if you're not understanding. The way of the cross and what Jesus really is, yeah. don't tell people. <laughs> Kindly shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you're gonna make yeah. a mess of this. Um and then to to get to what you were saying, G, he then then began to teach them. And then it says in, in the next verse that he spoke plainly about this. The mm-hmm. parables are gone, the secret, the mystery. Here it is plainly. This is the way of the cross, and I'm on it, and this is where it's going to end. And I think that becomes particularly um, noteworthy for these guys because Jesus has called them to do what? Follow him. Become like him. That's that's why you followed a a teacher or a rabbi or a sage in the first century was to become like him. So if he's on the path, the way of the cross— then they are going to do that too, and and while I think that's uh, definitely a possibility and and part of the element, I think too part of it is the gravity of the topic. If something's important enough, you'll speak up to almost mm-hmm. anybody. Yeah, that,
0: that and makes so sense.
2: if if Jesus is like, you know, it's such a category mistake for Peter. Messiahs win. Messiahs are rulers; they're kings; they're in charge. And now you are talking about you are going to go die. Y- you got this wrong, Jesus. You are well, yeah. You're misinterpreting. You are going to discourage people.
1: Go ahead, you know, Jason. I was just going to say, you know, this is a um, uh, this could potentially be ha- have a, a sharp edge for the, the Bible Church. Um, the, the, um, because there's a, I'm, I'm becoming more, uh, attracted to Robert Gulick's, uh, way of dealing with, uh, the previous. Did you say
2: Robert Goulet?
1: Not Robert Goulet, not Robert (laughs) Goulet. (laughs) Michael (laughs) Boutley's cousin.
2: Gianna doesn't even know who Robert Goulet is. No, no, I don't.
1: It's funny. As I said, it that came to mind. I, I guess I would never said it said it out out loud before. But <laughs> he was a singer
2: in like the sixties,
1: <laughs> like the lounge mm. vibe, right?
2: Yeah, yeah totally, totally my style. Like the yeah. Vegas kind of Robert singer.
1: Goulet, yeah, um, but but one of the one of the things he argues is that you know the the disciples should not be viewed as uh, being completely blind uh, rather as having like uh, like myopic uh, vision or like one of the analogies I've used is like I don't know if you guys have ever had a, a migraine um, a, when you get like blurry Jason, vision yell,
2: yell at the people at the Starbucks parking lot I, that are honking, honking. I,
1: I, <laughs> I, I, I honestly do not understand why that happened twice yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, I actually think it was a locked door. You know how that happens? Yeah, it was. It totally was. We'll pass, yeah. we'll pass. Um okay. But
1: but their their vision is blurred. Um, mm-hmm. and I think his his description of of I don't remember if he uses the crowds, but certainly the Pharisees and Herod, they are blind. But the disciples have this kind of blurry vision, and, and you're seeing that happen right here. They mm-hmm. got it right. They got right doctrine in a sense you know they got they got the right answer but they don't understand the what that means and holy cow does that describe uh doctrinaire uh approaches to christianity right where it's like we know the right answers but we have no idea what that means um in in the world and in life and and for our characters and so i just feel like this is a, a great little example of how you can be right and wrong simultaneously.
0: So it just goes back to what we read in the previous section as well. What we're talking about like he sees, but it, he sees people, they look like trees. So Exa- not exactly. necessarily that it's right. wrong, but blurred. I like I like that definition and description you shared.
1: Well, and he's he stands out with that. I've never seen anyone else deal with this that way. You know, usually the disciples are characterized as the blind, uh but he makes a subtle di- distinction there and i'm becoming more and more um open to that because that's kind of what you see going on here be- because and, and here's the reason why like um to to be blind so to speak spiritually speaking whatever does not imply a bad heart it pl- it implies a misunderstanding uh, or or a it doesn't imply some sort of ill motive um Though with the Pharisees and Herod, we saw, you know, the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod, they they are uh, full-blown opponents to Jesus, uh, where the disciples would not be described that way. Um, They just don't get it. Um, So this is helpful because that's us, right? That's the church. We just don't get it.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I try to tell my husband that when I'm like trying to explain something he's not getting. I'm like, it's not that you're like completely off here. Just can I explain it a little better? Can you see it like a yes. little more clear, yes. but he thinks yeah. it's the complete opposite. Oh, I got it all wrong. No, it's okay. You're getting it. But <laughs> can I share yeah. more? Yes, uh, and it's so funny. But um, you know, I think we've gotten a good picture of you know, um, taking a look at, taking a look at the passage with our reading glasses on. Let's move on to the time machine, Michael, and get some more context for what's happening.
2: Yeah, I actually want to start with a question for. Jason, and I I talked a little bit there about the expectations that they had for a Messiah, but I think that's worth expanding just a bit. Can you take a minute or two, Jason, and just explain to our audience, um, what were the Jewish expectations of a Messiah? Why were they missing uh, this Jesus with his way of the cross? Uh, Why did that run so counter to what they were expecting?
1: Yeah. So in this, this does require, I think so Messiah does have a sort of technical meaning, I think. And, and, you know, so the, 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 um, uh, I, I think that the best place to begin is in the Psalms. Um, and especially, and I've mentioned this before, the, the, the very first uh, poem uh, in the Psalter is of the one who delights uh, on the Torah of the Lord uh, day and night, and he, he, he mumbles it to himself. Um, and now that, that, that language is the description of Israel's would-be king in Deuteronomy chapter 17. Um, it's the description of Joshua as a leader in the book of Joshua, but, but it goes from there describing the blessed one who is obsessed with the Torah, uh, then to this kind of, almost like a, well, it's a, it's a Royal like coronation poem. Um, and it, wherein, uh, the Psalmist has the Lord speaking and he says to the, the United Nations meeting, so to speak, good luck. You think you're going to overthrow my kingdom? You lose and I win. And here's the evidence. I've installed my Messiah in Zion. And so the idea in Psalms is that God's reign would be implemented by a human king who is obsessed with God's Torah. And so that's that's the kind of thing that I think would be on the radar uh, in terms of expectations for at, at least for uh, uh, at least for g- good Bible readers, synagogue uh, attending Jews, um, you'd have the sense that uh, this person's going to come back and clobber the nations, and he'll do so by being deeply rooted in God's word. Um, but but it is a um, it is a a conquering. Um, uh, the Messiah's evidence that God, God's kingdom w- wins out. Um, so I, there, there's more uh, of, of course. All, all of that's on the radar, and and keep in mind, uh, since about five eighty seven five eighty six, uh, Israel hasn't had a real king. They haven't really had someone uh, over them, unless you call Herod a real king, which I don't think anyone did it <laughs> doesn't seem like people thought Herod was the Messiah. So, um, you're going to, if you're going to say someone is the Messiah, you mean a whole host of things. You don't mean what it's come to mean in, in many parts of the church today. He's a savior of your soul. Uh, you know, like, mm. uh, uh, we, we, we yeah. tend to mean that, right? Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Christ is a title, but it's just the title that means he'll save our souls. Uh, That couldn't have been what they heard or what Peter meant, right? I mean, um, I don't think it is.
2: So here's what it seems like it comes down to for me. And I'll make this as simple as I possibly can. The Messiah wins. That's what Messiahs do, right? Messiah equals victory. And so what Jesus is really redefining here is their idea of what it means to win,
0: ah, what, it, yes, what it looks, right? Like, right?
2: Yes. How do you win? They can only see it through the wisdom of the world, the methods of the present age to win for a king, like figure must mean power. It must right. mean overthrow army swords right. winning. Right. That's how Kings come to win. And what Jesus is saying is he is taking a symbol that at the moment for them means losing the cross means you lost. It means you're powerless. Oh, yeah. It's it's right. the very opposite. It's the perfect symbol. If yeah. you're trying Shame. to get yeah. across shamefully lost, it, yeah. it's the perfect symbol if you're trying to get across the very opposite of the right. world's wisdom yeah. of winning. Right. So in a sense, when we, You know, wear a gold chain cross or have a cross tattooed on our arm or something. We're actually wearing the symbol that says I'm a loser. Defeat, yeah. Defeat because you thorough
1: defeat, right? Yep. This Messiah
2: will win through losing, through weakness, and that is crazy. And so So, then the question: Go ahead, Jason. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say there's a there's a, a blurring of categories. Here and th- this is where it's it, it, you 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 want to be careful before you uh, you know grab a stick to beat these men because again they got the vision of uh, of a messiah probably straight out of the biblical text I mean it's not like they they got this from Rome or something like that like right. these, this triumphant image of the messiah is a very biblical one but what they don't see and as it seems no one really did is that there's a merging in a sense almost i want to be careful with that language but of this suffering servant like we see in isaiah and the messiah that the vocation of the messiah is the same as the suffering servant and so this is where the, the, the vision is blurry they're not totally blind they just don't see it as anyone could have yet
2: right so, because the the end picture of the messiah is correct he oh, is and ruling exactly but yes how okay. he gets there yes yes they they didn't have that category available to yep. them Right. and this, right. I would
0: think this is why Jesus had so much grace on them and like still knew that they were going to arrive because he knew how much or what they thought of what the Messiah was going to be. So you have some empathy or right. some grace for them right. because it's like, you know, I'm going to have to break this down for a while here. I understand that. And that's that's why I'm coming this way. This, that's yes. why I have some time yep. with them before the pivotal moment moment.
2: That's great. Uh, Let me throw a question at you, Gianna. I'm going to put you on on the spot because I like to see you squirm. in the morning. (laughs) We're talking about the way of the cross and Jesus introducing the way of the cross, and Mark is emphasizing that. Practically speaking, for a disciple of Jesus, what is the way of the cross? Where would we find that in the Bible? How do we live that out?
0: Of course, Michael. (laughs) I've only drank half my (laughs) cup of tea. I
2: did that just to see that look on your face.
0: Where could we find that? And there
2: there comes the eye rolling, Jason. There it is. It's not new. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm not exactly sure where I I would find the way of the cross. I mean, I think I would find it in Jesus's way of leading up to the cross, what it looks like for him. And, um. And how he went through that process, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I feel like I know what it looks like, but where I could find it exactly. I I feel like I've gotten that from listening to you guys talk about it a a lot.
2: That's a fair answer. I think in one sense you could say, well, the whole new Testament. In another sense, you could say there are passages, you know, Philippians two really starts to put a pinpoint Oh, that's uh, versus a good, Jesus good, emptied right. himself and, yeah. you know, didn't take advantage of his position. And, and then we're called to that same thing. I think you could say the Gospels, Jesus' life points to it. But a really clear spot for me is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew ah, 5 yeah. through 7, where Jesus stands up and says, practically, here's what this way of life is going mm. to look yeah. like in that's the true. present age. And it's 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 challenging to the point that I have heard numerous people getting up and and presenting themselves as Bible teachers, basically saying, well, you don't really need to follow this. Jesus was just kind of laying out the ideal or this is just for your personal relationships or your spiritual relationships, but not everyday life.
0: That sounds wild to me.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've literally heard <laughs> that, teachers that's out, that's out go there. into yeah. how like the the not responding to your enemies and all that. That, that only means if you're being religiously persecuted. That's not, you know, day to day life, that sort of thing. Um, and putting the spin on it that nobody listening to Jesus that day would have understood. And what's interesting to me is how uh, Jesus expects this to be lived out. At the end of it, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into mm-hmm. practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He then goes on and says, you know, it, it can stand against the storm, but everyone who hears those words and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man with, uh, who builds his house on the sand. Uh, when I was little, we used to sing a song, you know, the wise man built his house upon a rock
0: uh, did either mm, of you guys sing that out. song? That's phased out, Michael. I we, well, okay, that. I'll, I'll mention it again. We used, to,
2: we used <laughs> to sing a song based on this passage when I was a kid. You know, the, the wise man built his house upon a rock.
0: This is why Michael's so spiritual, man. Like, I did not have that. <laughs> yeah, oh, geez
2: Louise. <laughs> did, you, did you guys not sing that song?
1: No, no I, I never heard singing. of it. No, I, I wasn't uh, singing. Yeah, yeah, songs. yeah. I, I was singing. Never but,
2: mind, I'm not going to tell you what I was thinking. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. I think a lot of Christians look at that passage in Matthew, and we apply that to the world, to non-Christians. Well, oh, because sure. we're Christians, we're right. the ones who have built our house on the rock, and they're the ones who built their house on the sand. Really? But yeah. that's not what Jesus is saying. Yeah. He's saying, I'm right. addressing this to my followers, and those who put the way of the cross into action are wise. And those who don't, you will not be ready for the challenges of life because you'll be calling yourself my disciple, but trying to live by the wisdom of the world. And that's that's what's in question here is, are we living by the wisdom of the way of the cross or uh, of the world? I think okay. there's... Yeah, I'm go sorry. ahead, G.
0: I just think it's funny that you asked me the question and I felt a little stunned just because my what my brain does is run in circles, like I'm on a track trying to figure out one thing till I land on it until it, my memory's jogged. But something that always stands out to me in the way of the cross, um, was just when Peter wanted to cut off the soldier's ear and how Jesus responded to that had always stuck out in my mind, like Thinking about how someone means so much to you, you're willing to do whatever for them. And so, just not having this um, either self preservation or preservation of someone you care about, and how that's so opposite. I think that that always stuck out to my mind. So, I always think, what is completely opposite of what I'm thinking? Because I'm sure that's probably the way to go. What's completely opposite of the typical norms in these situations? And even at that point, it, it was just so flabbergasting to me that. Peter would still have thought that was the way to go, like that was sure. the thing to do here, and Jesus' is like, "No, like they need to take me. I've already told you, um, so that was just something that, as you're bringing out different examples of the way of the cross, like the way of the cross looks exactly opposite of what you're thinking in this situation. Yes.
2: Yes. Well, what is that, Jason? Is it Dwight Schrute when he says, I think of what is stupid and then I do not do that thing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. The best advice do, you ever
1: gave me was keep it simple, stupid. It hurt every yeah. time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you do the opposite um, uh, of of... What we would expect, and interestingly, when Jesus, when Peter does respond in that way, and Jesus says, "Put away your sword, for you live by the sword, you die by the sword," I think it's Tertullian, a church leader in the uh, in the early church, uh, late second, early third century ish, who said in that moment Jesus disarmed all Christians for all time, um, showing huh. him huh. the the way of the cross, uh, because Satan d- didn't mind. Jesus having Jeez. power, he yeah. offered him power. Um, he right. offered him all the kingdoms. What Satan mm-hmm. doesn't want is Jesus unleashing the power of the cross. In him. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. the last thing I want to mention in the time machine here is just we we brought it up in Mark four, is this is the moment of the 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 message, the way of the cross, the word has been thrown out, and. Peter heard it, but he didn't have a place for it in his heart. The soil was like trampled hard. And here comes Satan coming and snatching the seed away immediately, which is why I think Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You get in line, you know, Satan get in line, Peter, you get in line. Um, Jason, any thoughts on that before we go to the next, our next uh, step?
1: Um, I mean, we could have a, a nice discussion about yeah s- Satan, but we, we it'd be a quite a detour. So I think what you said is I think what's helpful here is the the connection you just made to chapter four with the parable of the sowers. It's just it, it again mm-hmm. highlights how uh, you know reading reading the gospel is is a lot like yeah, like we've been describing, watching a good movie or reading any great novel, that there's a sort of unfolding and progression and uh, looking back. And it's, it's in that experience that the, the reader starts to discover how um, things fit together. Like the parables aren't just uh, lame, generic, uh, whatever, uh, stories with with a quote spiritual truth, but they have a very pointed um, meaning in Mark's gospel that will ultimately have to do with uh, the reader, but first and foremost has to do with characters in the story.
0: Let's move on to take a selfie, and I'm wondering why in why is the way of the cross so hard to embrace? We see Peter respond to what Jesus says about how he's going to die, or he is going to die, and he rebukes him. We talked about this. Why do you think it was so hard for Peter to swallow? This was the way. And why do you think it is for us today?
2: Yeah, I think that's the question that haunts me is, how are we like Peter mm-hmm. in this situation? <laughs> um because if peter is missing the way of the cross and rejecting it rejecting the way of the cross and jesus says you're now standing in league with satan um <laughs> the what, same
0: person he calls the rock like I, it's so confusing
2: right cuz he 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 gets certain things but it's fuzzy and I think that's the way with us. It's not, we want to make everything so black and white.
0: Mm-hmm. You're in
2: or you're out, you know, and, and some people are, you challenge them and they're like, Oh, I don't even know if I'm saved. That's not what this is about. Uh-huh. That's not the challenge here. It's about, are you embracing and understanding the way of the cross? Are we sharing about a Messiah that is the Messiah who uh, that he said he was? Or are we being like those foolish builders building on the sands of, of something else. Um, right. And, and that's, a, that's a disturbing place to be.
0: I think it is also, how do we respond to what God is revealing to us? Because I think we will continue to have some blurred vision as we are maturing, trying to attain the full measure of Christ. When things are revealed to us, what is our response then? Because at this point, that's what's happening to Peter. Things are now being revealed to him. We see his response, and then we see how they move forward as well. Um, Jason, your thoughts on how we can be like Peter in this situation?
1: I mean, th- there's a part of me that it's hard for it's hard to not um, start to pillage the next section, the next set of verses, where <laughs> things things become a little more explicit, but. Don't be an overachiever. Yeah, I don't. JC. I don't stick so I'm tra- to the I'm script. trying. I'm trying to think here. I, you know, I just think we we talked last week about the the um, the distinction between sh- shame and pain, and how both are both are implied for the cross, and and we know that um, we can think of the way of the cross as a kind of metaphor or a figure of speech of some kind uh for a, a quote way of life and that works um but it wasn't a metaphor for jesus and as it would turn out it wasn't really a metaphor for these men um it was an, an actual um summons to their own crucifixions and deaths and and you know martyrdom and and i think if we're going to try to put ourselves in their place, we have to kind of start to move beyond like, yeah, put self on the shelf. Like that's fine. Like, yeah, be, self-denial is important. But, but I think when they're talking, and we'll, we'll get into this next section, when he's talking about denying ourselves uh, the way of the cross as a, as a way of denial, um, I think it, it has more to do with uh, not worrying about what happens to you. <laughs> you know, like not worrying about mm. how how hard it, it's going to hurt um, to to give up mm. wealth, to give up status, to give up privilege, um, to 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 uh, give up sleep, money, all of that. Like it's it's um, and to stand in league with. I mean, and this is the other thing. I heard someone describe this once, and it really stood out to me. Like, you know, there's so much about about Jesus's followers that embarrass me, big time. Like, I like. I've had to work through this, like being associated with the church and the the corny music and the the weird phrases and the strange language (laughs) and the the dumb way we dress and think. And like so much of the church offends me. I'm sorry. I I know probably just offended a bunch of people, but but it's true. Like I've had a hard time embracing some of that. But to follow Mm -hmm. Jesus means to take on the identity of a community that isn't, you know, like always powerful and sexy in terms of the world. And so I think there's some of like, even just being a Christian where you need to stand with a family that, that, you know, we're not, we're not looking for that sort of um, reputation. Like we're not, we're not construing identity along the same lines. And so this is a challenge just to let go of some of the image that I want. Um, So I I guess what I'm saying is it, it feels like it goes deeper than like, If someone needs you at two in the morning and you're tired, it doesn't matter. You should get up. It means that, but it can't be confined to easy examples like that. I think this is deeper. It's getting at a true loss of self.
0: Yeah. And as we move on, In this same section. And there's this question posed. What are some ways, whether personally or corporately, that we reject the way of the cross? I just came back home from being at the NBA Summer League. And if you've never been to it or not really sure what this is, um, it's basically everyone from the professional basketball world is there. And it is all about status. It's all wow, about power. It's right. all about trying to achieve it. If you're if you're the players playing in summer league, you're trying to showcase that you can be on an NBA team, get a big contract, and be a star. And that's so, same- Gianna,
2: did your did your fame from this podcast make it difficult <laughs> she, to? She, she really had to walk it. through those circles.
0: I was kind of pushing people away. No, <laughs> don't think of me <laughs> Actually, as better with- than you. <laughs> the str- no, that was actually the struggle for me because, um, for anyone who doesn't know my past, I before I became a disciple, I was on the road to becoming a ESPN anchor, which is a big deal. Which created uh, it was basically my identity. This is what I thought it was. This great journalist. I was going to get a lot from that position: money, fame, whatever. Um, respect is a big thing, and so now I'm coming to this event where I'm a disciple or have been for five years and I have kind of let go of my career for a while. It is now resurfaced in a way that God's brought about and I'm really grateful for, but I don't have the same notoriety. I have the same friends that have the same, uh, uh, more notoriety, but to walk, uh, to walk around that gym for my husband and I both who are in a transition phase in life where, uh, we don't have this huge level of fame. We don't have a huge bank account, uh we 're not the who 's who 's of this event., uh, we both had to really struggle with okay not just going after the money and power and the opportunity that 's at this event and how we interact with people and I was faced with a situation where um we we had a young man who really wanted our time and to hang out with us. And in my mind, I'm like, no, we got a network. We got a baby coming. We got to make sure we get things right here. And and I just kept feeling the spirit saying like the least of these, like wow. in this situation, this young man was the least of these. Yeah. And, um, you know, kudos to my husband. He really pushed me to take time to spend time with this young man, to encourage him, to help him with his uh, opportunities while he was there. And I just felt like, wow, like, I struggle with still wanting respect and still wanting position and power in this field, so much so that I may not pay attention to the people along the way that Jesus would have paid attention to on his journey to the cross. He took so much time to help those that were less fortunate or were in need. And I feel like that's one part of the way where um, I personally can reject the way of the cross is by having such a self-focus and determination to succeed, to have my name known in a way that is not just godly, but in a professional sense. Yep. And so, I don't know Sorry. if this long rant has answered Michael some of your questions, but um, it can be really hard to to keep the way of the cross in a lot of different situations here in the world. Whether that's within our church, um, you know, I see a lot of us trying to grow so much, especially when it comes to social media. Do we have the followers for our church? And I I remember I pushed back with someone the other day and said, is that the goal of having a social media presence as a church? Is it to have tons of followers? You're right. I'm not sure that's where we're going with this. Uh, And, you know, and I felt a little like, wow, should I be saying this? Is this my position? But I also felt the spirit saying, it's not about that. Uh-huh. Like we're getting something wrong here. That's what the world goes after with social media. We've got to use it for something else in a different way. So um, yeah. Michael, continue our conversation. Yeah,
2: yeah no, I think um, that's such a great uh, pinpoint on this from a personal level. And, and let me continue. You're starting to move into the more corporate level for church. Let, let me pose a question. Thinking down that road is, you know, when I think of the first century Christians that we're looking at here, Peter and the other disciples, they had a war, so to speak, with Rome going on. Not an active one, but they were in in a conflict, an ongoing conflict with Rome. And that fed into the way they read Scripture, the way they understood Scripture. They were definitely looking at Scripture through this Roman conflict-colored glasses. And so it very much fed into this triumphalism. We need to beat Rome, and we need to do it with power. We need to do it with the weapons of the world, which is all they kind of knew at that point. And so it caused them to miss the way of the cross up to this point. They were completely missing. It. When you look at our context, there's we could say many things here, but one of them that's constantly in the forefront is the culture wars. We hear that all the time. It's the culture wars. And we want to make an enemy of those who, you know, are ruining the nation and ruining the culture. and And they're the biggest threats to Christianity and, and all that sort of thing. So we have these culture wars, which then start to, those become the colored glasses that we're wearing. And we start to look at, we do the same thing. We start to look at the world through those glasses and, and through the, the wisdom of the world, the the ways of the world, the triumphalism and all of that. And so uh, I'll throw this out there. How does that impact how we see the church responding to the culture at large, to the so-called culture clashes, culture wars? Um, is the church responding, and I say the church kind of universal here, do we see the church responding with the way of the cross, or are we more standing with Peter?
1: Yeah, do, do, went, so, no, no. i I, go, I, I'm just, I,
0: I see Jason's I'm, wheels I'm turning, baffled. so I'm like, he's about to say something. Yeah,
1: so <laughs> let me just clarify. Yeah, you you mean like, so like in, in in the in the quote culture wars, the church feels like it needs to uh, pick a side on some issue. Um, well,
2: let's let's look at um, a, a couple of issues. Yeah, the, the political wars.
1: Well, How are we thinking. responding? Yeah. Do
2: we see the way the cro- the way of the cross, or do we see this triumphalism? We have to grab power when it comes to the uh, homosexual, L- LGBTQ, and transgenderism. Are are we um, grasping after the way of cultural capital and power, so that we can get our moral rights and what is right enacted, or are we living out the way? of, of the cross. Um, you know, when it comes to abortion, did we resort to power or did we show the world what the way of the cross looks like? You, you can have the right position, but fight it with the wrong tools. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. I, I I mean, I, I think, I, I think there's a there's a failure of nerve, maybe is the way to describe it when it comes to this this teaching. Um, we just we 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 love the idea, we teach the idea. In fact, it becomes a kind of shibboleth for the church, right? We we expect you to say this, teach people this, and, mm. and agree with this. Uh, but when it comes to uh, living in a battle zone or what do you call a war zone uh there's a failure nerve we run to a side and um and we think by doing that we're choosing the side God would choose but but the sense I get is that uh, God will have none of your sides (laughs) you know um like (laughs) God God doesn't God doesn't hop on board a human agenda or a human perspective and that's exactly what you see here with Peter like you know I, I just love Jesus's Rebuke of Peter. It says Peter rebukes Jesus and Jesus rebukes Peter. Like you, you think like a like a man. Like you're just off. You you, you just, like, like it was, you say you haven't, you don't have the mind of God. Like you don't think like God. You think like a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, could that be said of, of me? That could be said of the, the modern Western church, right? You, you think like people. You don't think like Jesus. You're afraid to think like God thinking like God frightens the tar the out of us um, because it means a loss of self. And we do not want that. Um, and it requires a, a a lot of trust, I think. So I, I don't know if I've said anything. I've kind of just criticized everybody. <laughs> I, haven't really, I haven't really offered any any help, but, but it seems to be the predicament.
0: I would yeah. say, I mean, I don't know if I'm being too bold, but I just, I, I would say that we often see, us, the church going towards not the way of the cross when it comes to, to culture and picking sides. And I think it's just because we're so ingrained in culture. It's really hard to take Uh, the blinders off. Sometimes we don't even know we have the blinders on. Um, and these topics, a lot of them are heavy and a lot of them, could change the way of life depending on how we're, we're choosing to side with what side. But, you know, as you alluded to Jason, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Like it's just so apparent when we, when I look at the church today and how we go about culture and things like that, uh, his ways must be way higher than us. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Here, here's a thought. Let me throw out one last thought. And I'm going to peek ahead and mark a little bit with the way he's telling the narrative. But when Jesus finally does arrive in Jerusalem and there's all this fur about the Messiah is here and they're, you know, waving palm branches and Hosanna. And this is another, you know, Judah, the hammer and, you know, oh, all these guys and all of that. And, and that moment. And everybody's really excited. And then a week later, they're, they're wanting to kill him. And I think the thing is, is they came in. Oh, he's the Messiah. We're happy. And then what does he do? He goes to the temple. He goes to the temple and enacts a parable that critiques the people of God. You're the issue here. You have seen this wrong. And in their minds, he's doing nothing about the Romans. Right. He, he wants, the, the way of the cross is nothing. It's to do nothing. <laughs> it's to just sit there and criticize the people of God who are trying to do the right thing. And I see that same mentality today where the, the way of the cross seems like you're saying we should do nothing. We should just let the culture be overrun, lose everything we have, uh, give up our country and our way of life, and you'll just sit there with your pious religion doing nothing. And it's, But that's the mentality, right? And I think it's, it's a failure to grasp what Jesus was trying to teach, which is the way of the cross is so powerful. It is how you win. It is what the powers and authorities mm-hmm. do not understand. Uh, Paul says that in Corinthians. If they understood that this is how Jesus was going to win, they would have never put him on the cross. But mm-hmm. they didn't. They they couldn't conceive that the cross could mean victory. That yeah. the, the losing could bring about the things you want. And so, I think that's something really important as we apply a passage like this is to dwell on that idea. In both our personal life and in culture is we can we can grab after we got to have power and political power and ideological power and pass laws because that's what's going to protect and preserve. And we're we are being Peter in that moment. We are being Peter. We are rejecting Jesus And I love the fact that Peter rejects Jesus, and then Jesus says, I see your rejection. Yeah, I I know. It's great. Uh, I I reject your rejection.
0: And I'm going to call you Satan, by the way.
2: (laughs) And I'm going to call you Satan. And that's what I think Mark wanted the church to dwell on, is remember, we're supposed to be standing in the shoes of the disciples and then asking ourselves some tough questions. So Mark is asking the church of his day, are you rejecting the way of the cross? And that's the same question for us.
0: Can I ask it? A- yeah. And it's funny. Oh, sorry, go
2: ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I just quick mention. It's funny that Jesus does call him like get back Satan. Uh, because I think a lot of us in the church, we call what's outside of the church. Like, Oh, that's Satan. That's evil. That's demonic, whatever it is. Right. And Jesus is calling someone, his own follower in regards yeah. to Satan. It's like mind blowing to me. I'm like, So do we understand what that actually looks like? Are we calling things Satan that maybe is the opposite or not the opposite, but just not hitting it on the nail and not recognizing there may be some things within the church or our own hearts that Jesus would say the same thing to us?
2: Foolish, built on sand, Mm -hmm. Satan. Yeah, that's a great point. Jason, go ahead.
1: You know, I was just going to ask that question. Like, and that's why I said earlier, we could talk about, uh, about Satan. You know, I, I think, I, um, yeah. You know, so you know, the the Satan um, is 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 more like a kind of office uh, office at all a role uh, of it, it, that uh, is is seen throughout Hebrew Scripture, and there is obviously a sort of development by the time we get to the New Testament, but. Um, but the sa- Satan, yeah, how would you, so the Hebrew word Satan, uh, it'd be ha-Satan, the Satan, something like the the accuser, the the challenger, um, the, the adversary, the, I don't know, the provoker, so, something like that would be an English way of translating Satan. It's not a personal name, first and foremost. It's a, it's more like a role. Um, And so it's not always even necessarily evil. Um, You can think of, for example, uh, the story of the talking donkey uh, or um, uh, gosh, we'd have to look. I'm trying to think of a less uh, a more um, a less evil. It, it feels less evil uh, appearance of the Satan in the Hebrew Scriptures, but but my point is that the Satan plays a role in the divine economy, uh, and that is to challenge certain assumptions, and to test, and to sift, and to push, and and so do we? Are we to hear something like that here?
2: Could, yeah. could we push? No, I, I'm with yeah. I thought of like man we could really delve into that mm-hmm. and, and go down that rabbit hole um, but I think that's something we can leave out for our maybe, listeners to
0: wrestle maybe with it is. Is, yeah. you
2: know yeah. yeah
1: it's
0: it's a it's a maybe they could.
1: it's a it's a footnote for this conversation maybe yeah
0: yeah I'd love to hear from our listeners what they think on this uh, as, as they Ooh, wrestle with fun. it at a home as we're wrapping up this podcast um Michael, anything to share? Last words?
2: No, but we, we made it through with my <laughs> janky uh, internet and Jason uh, only occasionally um, having horns honked at him. I think all those horns were actually being honked at Jason.
0: But it was we, when Jason was talking, too. Whatever he was saying, they're like, that, right. that's the People load, are sitting that's behind load we're not him.
2: listening No,
1: they, yeah. that was uh, an affirmation. I have
0: a sign that says <laughs> if you agree. Oh my gosh. Well then uh I guess you said a lot of good stuff. The great episode with everyone today. Uh if you're enjoying the podcast, like we said, we'd love it if you like, comment, subscribe, or even leave us a review. You can send us a note to iconpodcast at gmail.com. That's e-i-k-o-n podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to reach us. And I'm pretty sure we lost Michael, but Jason and I, (laughs) we're sending it off and we'll see you guys next week.